You're now listening to the Working Poet Radio Show. This is your host, Joseph Lappin. I'm here with Anna Thomas. And she went to UCLA as a film student where she published her first cookbook. And, you know, she has many film credits, including El Norte, Mi Familia, Destiny, and Frida. And her new book is Vegan, Vegetarian, Omnivore. And she also created a documentary, created this documentary called Infinite Space. And she's the interim head of discipline and screenwriting at AFI. And you're currently living full-time in L.A. then? Yeah. Okay. Right now I'm living full-time in L.A. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Great. So this is the Working Poet Radio Show, you know, and we we'll really want to explore your creative life in many different ways in cooking and, and in film and, and really how you built that life. So tell me how you went from screenwriting at UCLA to cooking. How did that happen? Well, I didn't really go from screenwriting at UCLA to cooking. I sort of added cooking mm-hmm. as a thing that I was doing. I was a film student at UCLA, mm-hmm. and I was becoming a vegetarian at that time. There was not much for us then. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I'm older than you are, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> dinosaurs were no. crawling up Wilshire <laughs> Boulevard. Anyway, yeah. um, so I was teaching myself to cook in the way I like to eat mm-hmm. and the kind of food I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that led to my first cookbook that Mm -hmm. I wrote when I was about 20, and I didn't know that you could try to work on something and it might never go anywhere or be hard. I just thought, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Write a cookbook, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So what did you find out was hard about it when you wrote your first Well, you know, the first one actually was not that hard for me. Mm -hmm. I was just writing down. I'm I'm a writer, Mm -hmm. so the writing part came to me pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And I was discovering all these wonderful things about food and what I like to eat and how I like to cook it. What were some of those discoveries? And... uh, Just um, basically, I came from a Polish background with a very meat-heavy type of food uh, orientation, and Mm -hmm. I was going towards a much more, uh, I was becoming vegetarian, so I was going much more towards the vegetables, the cheeses, the mushrooms. That book was pretty pretty rich with butter and cream, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was yeah. nowhere close to vegan, yeah. but I had a lot of fun making a lot of really delicious food. And what was uh, name one? Give me one meal that you remember making at that time. Well, that I, was the best. there was a pastry that, that that that's in that book that some people still talk to me about and say, "Oh, we make this all the time." Called Russian vegetable pie, mm-hmm. which was layered with like cabbage and mushrooms and caramelized onions and sliced hard-boiled eggs and all these things wow. and dill and all this stuff all in a big pastry crust. Mm. And, that uh, sounds amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> is dill a... Because my grandma was Polish and she yeah. cooked everything with dill. Is that, yeah. a, is that a Polish thing? That's you? a very Polish thing. Really? We what, love dill. What kind, How do you describe... I never understood. When do you use Just dill? Very, and when, well, you can use it in a lot of things. Everything. I mean, it's, a, it's an herb. It doesn't go with everything. Thing, but it goes yeah. with a lot of things. I can't think of anything my and, grandma made uh, without this. <laughs> but I was moving away from strictly, you know, from the Polish influences of my youth, mm-hmm. and I kind of created my own way of cooking. And the amazing thing is that knowing nothing about the book world, that by accident I had a friend who had an, a book agent in New York and mm-hmm. said, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll send this manuscript to my agent, sent it to the agent who turned out to be a vice president at ICM. Mm-hmm. That agent put it in the hands of Judith Jones, who was then famously Julia Child's editor at Knopf. Oh. Wow. 
And she said, yeah, we want this. This is, this is the new voice. This is what we want. Mm. So I'm toiling away at UCLA, going to my classes and taking finals and you know, working on making my student films, wearing my one pair of torn jeans that I own because I like, have, don't have two nickels to rub together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get this phone call, and Roberta says, well, uh, you know, I, I gave your manuscript to a couple people, and we have an offer from... Knopf and they'll pay you a two thousand dollar advance. I think we should take it, you know. And I thought two thousand yeah. dollars. At that time, I was getting a student loan for two thousand dollars and figuring out how I could live on that for the whole year, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I totally hit the jackpot. Well, to make a long story short, that book actually was was published. That was the Vegetarian Epicure, mm-hmm. and it became an enormous hit. It just kept selling and selling mm-hmm. and selling. And everybody, for a certain period of time in the 70s, had that in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it sold ultimately was translated into languages in different countries and, mm-hmm. and sold like over a million copies. Mm-hmm. So it paid for my graduate school, for yeah. one thing. Yeah. <laughs> it paid for my thesis film. Mm-hmm. It paid for a lot of things. It really supported me through college. And really, I have to say together with the sequel that followed, which was the Vegetarian Epicure Book 2, which mm-hmm. they asked me to write, it, it really uh, was the money that um, paid for the development process of El Norte, which was an independent film that Greg Nava and I were, were developing together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was nobody putting up the money for all, all that research, all those meetings, all, just for us to live on while we were doing all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? What did they teach so, you about the creative journey? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, how could you ever imagine But a lot things? of it can be accidental. That's yeah. what it taught me. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. I've always worked very hard. I worked hard at school. I worked hard. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these just geniuses and things just come easy. I work hard. Mm-hmm. But... You also need some luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, mm-hmm. as, uh, as Roberta, the agent, in, the famous agent in New York, once told me, she said, well, if I had a choice between talent and luck, I'd take luck. Really? <laughs> but that's the wrong message to send to people, I think, because really I think it's if I had a choice between, between luck and hard work, Take hard work because hard work brings you to luck. Mm-hmm. If you're working hard at something, very often, you know, you might not catch this break, you might not catch that one, but somewhere along that path of hard work, there'll be a break that you'll catch. So tell me about that hard yeah. work in your life. Was, and I know you grew up in Michigan, correct? Yeah. And so tell me, yeah. you know, it was, where did that hard work come from? Well, my parents were very hardworking people. They were immigrants. They mm-hmm. came, I was six months old. From I was Poland, the first correct? generation. Well, from Polish families, but by the time I was born, I was it was in Germany after oh, okay. the war, okay. and they were displaced persons. Mm-hmm. And then I came to this country when I was six months old. Oh, really? I didn't learn to speak English till I went to school because we lived in a very tight immigrant community. Mm. And then, uh, can you describe what that was like? What was it? It was like community? being in a place in Detroit where everybody spoke Polish, and it was a Polish culture. And you saw your Polish relatives and extended family mm-hmm. and close people, and and that's what you knew. And it was mm-hmm. a very, very tight, loving, wonderful immigrant community with lots of delicious Polish food mm-hmm, <laughs> and, uh, and, and really felt very separate, you know. And I was a child. You don't, mm-hmm. c- you're not comparing to anything at that age. Mm-hmm. That's your world. That's mm-hmm. what you know. And then you go to school and you think, why is it that I 
don't seem to understand anything that's going on. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I realized later I was just, uh, you know, there was this period when everything seemed a little vague and confusing to me, and that's because I was just starting to get the language mm. and, uh, and, and learn to speak English. So give and me, give me a, <laughs> the best memory that you remember, because clearly a big part of this book is getting people together, right? It's, this book is about hospitality mm-hmm. and bringing people together, and that's a current that is very strong in my life from those very, very early days. Mm-hmm. Because all these people, these immigrants who came mm-hmm. f- with nothing and came to start a new life when, th- when their old life had been destroyed, they brought their traditions with them. Mm-hmm. And they brought these very, very important ideas about getting together. And I remember Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. everybody getting together and crowding around this big, long table covered with a white tablecloth and bringing all these traditional dishes and all mm-hmm. this food. It was, it was essential. It would not have been possible to be alive without these rituals and these and every birthday, every name day, every mm. every kind of family holiday, the family would gather and around that big table and the godmothers and the aunts and the cousins and the uncles, you know, everybody. So that's really the inspiration for this Well, book, right? it that's been part of me since mm-hmm. I was little. Mm-hmm. And when I started to learn to cook, I would invite people over, and I, I loved to invite people over and have them at my table, even when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. And my college friends would all say, oh, Anna, your food is so good, you should really write a cookbook. That's how it started. Really? And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, good idea. Why don't I write a cookbook? Of course, not realizing until I was grown later and had my own kids, it, it would have said that to anybody who gave them a home-cooked mm-hmm. meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, college students, I mean, come on. But so you're growing but, up around yeah. this, immig- it's this but, immigrant community, right? Yeah, and well, are there writers? Are there are there are there are there cooks? Are there are there models? Everybody's for you? a cook. All the women cook. Mm-hmm. All the women cook. My mother cooked. Everybody I knew. Uh, th- we didn't eat in restaurants. We ate at home. Mm-hmm. So cooking at home was just a regular, normal thing that happened. And I think that's a very important thing for people. I encourage home cooking so much mm-hmm. because. Even if it's very, very simple home cooking. And I'm a home cook. I'm not a professional chef. Mm-hmm. But home cooking brings something more than food into the equation. It is, you know, it's a gift. It's a loving gift. It's mm-hmm. a way you share something that you do, the produce of, what you, of your own work and mm-hmm. effort with the people you love. And kids who grow up with home cooking... They understand that this is something you can do. It's a normal, regular thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Food comes into the kitchen, you do some things to it, and it comes out on plates and as, as dinner or as lunch, and this is just a regular daily event. Mm-hmm. I really worry about food TV. Really? Why? Yeah, because I think people sit around and watch what essentially have become game shows, Oh. And they or they watch these kind of slick, sort of fast-paced, entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, soundbite kind of so uh, demonstrations. The, uh, family fabrics. And they sit and they watch that, and then they order out, you know, oh. <laughs> because it it starts to create this idea that food and food preparation is something that's done by professionals mm-hmm. on TV mm-hmm. instead of it's just a normal thing that everybody can do. And that everybody does. And that's why I say, you know, cook a pot of soup. Cook something. Do mm-hmm. something simple. Cook mm-hmm. something at home. You'll be happy you did. What, what, what's remarkable to me when you think, though, about, you know, that moment. You're like, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's oh, every day. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of your life. Yeah, it's but all the time. 
but then you took it to another level. Well, I love to have people over, and I love to entertain, and I love mm -hmm. to have dinners for, you know, big holidays or a few people over for dinner. And that's why, really, why I wrote this book, why mm -hmm. I wrote Vegan, Vegetarian, Omnivore, with that important word omnivore mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. Because I've written four other cookbooks. They're all vegetarian books. Mm -hmm. And so I have a very strong reputation for writing about vegetarian food. Mm -hmm. But what started to happen is... People start. People who know I write about food would come up to me, and say, "Oh my God, I don't know what to do because I'm. I want to have these people over for dinner, but I don't know what to cook for them. Or it's my turn for Thanksgiving, and this one eats this, and that one won't eat that, and the other one eats something else. And mm -hmm. I just want to give up. I don't want to have people over anymore. I don't know what to do. And I thought this is not good. Mm -hmm. This is a disaster, because if we lose the ability to sit down together at the table, to have dinner together, raise a glass, break bread, share food together, I think civilization is in trouble, mm. because that's really the basis of it. If we can't come together and sit down at the table, who are we? I mean, that's a real problem for me. I, I think this is a book about hospitality, mm. and I wanted to I wanted to write something that would help people find a way to let go of that fear, invite over anybody they want, and fix a meal that you could serve and that could be eaten in slightly different variations, but that everybody could be eating the same meal happily together. Mm -hmm. Everybody feel welcome. Nobody feel sidelined. Mm -hmm. Nobody feel guilty about how they eat. All the different people who eat in their different ways could sit down together and eat a meal. And that's why I wrote Vegan, Vegetarian, Omnivore, because mm -hmm. that was very important to me. So, to, you know, kind of wrap it all up for our audience can you give us I mean that's just I mean it, it really is an unbelievable way to think about this book and it's clearly coming mm. across in the book too and you know someone who has a vegetarian wife and vegetarian sister-in-law yeah. it is difficult yeah. so yeah. for those people can you give us a, a couple lessons sure. you know, about how to make this happen like an example book? of something you examples. can do yeah. well I'll tell you one thing that I discovered almost by accident once mm -hmm. when I had a bunch of people over and I was making a soup mm -hmm. that was like a main course stew and it's a fish soup, but it's mm. a fish soup that's not made with a fish stock. Mm -hmm. And I make it by starting to make a very robust kind of hearty vegetable soup that has the right flavor profile with tarragon and mm. garlic and tomatoes. Sounds and, great. And then I add seafood to it like five minutes before it's served. Mm -hmm. So it has this very fresh, light quality to it. And one of my friends, when I and we were eating... Uh, you know, hummus and crostini mm. and and some salad and things like that. And then I said, okay, you guys are going to love my fish soup that we're going to have now. And mm -hmm. one of my friends said, oh, you know, I've never I've never mentioned this, I guess, but I have a seafood allergy. I can't eat seafood. Oh. And this was somebody who'd been to dinner at my house yeah. before, but we'd always had vegetarian meals. And I said, no problem, because it's not fish soup yet. <laughs> uh. And I divided it into two pots, a smaller pot and a, and a larger one, because she was the only one who really wanted at that dinner to have it without the seafood. Mm -hmm. And she had hers with a little cheese crouton floating in top. Everybody else had theirs with the seafood in it. Mm -hmm. We were all in, she, and she was so polite, you know, she did, I don't want to be a problem. I'll, you know, I'll just eat more hummus and salad. It's fine. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. But I said, no, it really isn't a problem because this is a soup that's already delicious as it is without the seafood. Mm -hmm. And also we can, you know, 
put a beautiful toasted cheese crouton on top of it like you'd put on onion soup or it something. Sounds awesome. And 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 yeah. the other people can have it with I haven't put the seafood in yet. So yeah. they'll have it that their way, you'll have it your way. And it became like one of my most popular two-way dishes. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of things that I do that way. I have a risotto that I make, risotto, yeah. that you, that a lemon risotto that I put uh, sautéed fava beans on top mm. of. Or you can drop a few, you know, pieces of uh, lobster tail or crab on top of it as a garnish. Mm. I have another one. I have one that I make with winter squash for right now for this season. Mm-hmm. And you can have it with or without the crispy pancetta. Mm-hmm. It works either way. Mm. So these are things where you make adjustments in the dish or sometimes in the meal. Mm-hmm. Like you have taco night at home and you have a couple of different things that you can build your tacos with. And But there's an element too here that's not just about mm. the food itself, it's about customs, right? And culture. Yeah. And blending those rituals that you talk well, about. Well, on the holiday meals. Exactly. I, I yeah. spend a lot of time talking about holiday meals. Mm-hmm. They're easier and they're harder mm-hmm. in, in a way. Mm-hmm. They're easier because they're big. Holiday meals tend to be big with a lot of different dishes. So you can offer variety in that range of dishes that you make. Mm-hmm. And one of the first menus that I did that with is called Thanksgiving for Everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, for years, I was the one who was doing the big Thanksgiving dinner. And we had a lot of different kinds of eaters mm-hmm. at the table. So I devised this beautiful Thanksgiving meal for the vegetarians with a big polenta torta with roasted squash and cheese and pine nuts and things in it. Which you can and find in the book, right? It's there. Yeah. It's yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, with an array of different roasted and, and stewed and sautéed vegetables around mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But they were all things that also were designed to be able to work really well with the turkey and the cranberry sauce. That, that my, and my husband would spit roast a turkey. Mm-hmm. and Because people have, would be upset without we turkey, would right? have, Some people would. Yeah. See, some people want to eat the vegetarian meal. Some people want to have some turkey. Some people want to have a little bit of everything. And is that about and memory and family? I think it's a lot about that. I mm-hmm. think, it, you know, and if you're hosting Thanksgiving and you want everybody to be happy... And maybe you have a bunch of friends who are vegetarian mm-hmm. and they want to have a really good meal and not be the ones picking their way mm-hmm. around the edge of the plate. But you also have your in-laws or your grandparents or somebody who grew up eating this and it's just and not they Thanksgiving. They want it a certain way too, It's right? just not Thanksgiving yeah. without turkey for them. And I think it's important to honor those rituals. Mm-hmm. It's important to figure out ways to have food that has a history, you know, but mm-hmm. also a future. Yeah. And so I try to do both. And I definitely think you'll see that in the book. Um, you know, Anna, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you have any last-minute inspiration advice for those aspiring creatives out there? Yeah, don't be afraid. Do the thing you love. Work hard, but do the thing you love. And get together with your friends. Invite them over. Cook something simple. Sit down at the table together and have a good time because that will help you with everything you're working on. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are, you. you are no longer listening to the Working Poet Radio Show.